And by solving the problem uh, with the Deferred Sales Trust, we were able help, help to help people maybe never face that again. And so that big why and that big pain of seeing people go through that and motivated me and, and some others to really figure out a way to solve that so people don't have to go through that again. So I think the answer to your question is when the why gets big enough or the pain gets big enough, the how becomes easy because you never want people to go through that ever again. And if you can help them to not have to go through that again, you can provide what's called transformation for families, for wealth, for, for giving, for all the things that, um, that myself and a lot of our clients believe in. When the why gets big enough, the how gets easy. You said that a couple of times. I love that. I, it kind of kind of reminds me of one of the things that I teach my clients when I speak on stage. I talk about how uh, this, there's this law called the law of adaptation. The law of adaptation states that our ability to adapt will always outperform our ability to plan. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan. Thank you for tuning in. No matter where you're listening on any of the podcast players, I just want to take a second to thank you for listening. I know that there's a bazillion podcasts on planet Earth that you could tune in and listen to, and I appreciate you taking the time today to tune in and listen. And if you haven't subscribed, I would really appreciate if you, if you would do that um, because the subscriptions kind of make us, that and reviews kind of make the show show up in more people's suggested shows. And the more suggested shows, the more people listen, the more people listen, the more people get the benefit of learning how to be successful as an entrepreneur. So please leave a five-star review if you think we deserve it. And if you don't, send me an email. Let's talk about what I could do to make the show better for you. We also do this, of course, it is syndicated on the C-Suite Radio Network, so it goes out to all of the podcast players. And we're honored to be a partner with C-Suite Radio Network, one of the nation's largest independent business, bro uh, business radio platforms and podcast platforms. But we also do this on YouTube. So if you're not watching this right now, you should go to YouTube Go to youtube.com slash C for channel slash The Real Jason Duncan, and you can see these episodes as we video them. Normally, we video these in Nashville, but we're on location today. As you can see, uh, we're in the Sacramento area in California. It is a gorgeous day here, and we're at our Airbnb right here in Citrus Heights, which is just north of Sacramento, and our guest drove over today to be a part of the show. He lives local to here, so we're really happy to be doing this tour, this podcast tour this week in California. Uh, we've got, I think, 11 guests lined up to be on the show this week. So as you watch these or listen to these, well, these will all be produced and released simultaneously on the podcast player. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything. I'm the real Jason Duncan, and I help entrepreneurs learn how to exit without exiting, which is a way to get out of your business without selling it to a third party, yet maintain all of the tax 
and all of the financial benefits of business ownership, which is really interesting because I do what I do and coach people to do that. And our guest today is going to have a, a unique perspective on this whole how you exit and how you pay attention to tax benefits, et cetera. But we'll get there in a minute. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Um, the t- episode's sponsor for today is One Nine O N E N I N E One Nine, and uh, the reason they are the sponsor is because I'm actually a customer of theirs, and what they do is they manage and host your current website. So most entrepreneurs, most small business owners, just like me, just like you, they had a website designed at some point in the past, whether your sister did it or you hired somebody to do it or you did it yourself. And it's really not amazing. You know, it's, it's adequate, it's got information on it, but it's not really doing its job. And you can't find the person who built it. You can't go back and get that guy or that lady who did it, and they're, they're either MIA or they, they've gone out of business, and, or they want a bazillion dollars to redo your website. Well, what if you had the opportunity to have a company host, manage, update, and, and protect your website permanently for a small, flat monthly fee? That's what you get with one nine. You can go to managemywebsites.com slash root. Managemywebsites.com slash root, as in root of all success, for a special discount code. You can save up to $600 a year on their managed services for your website. And it's perfect. Ever since I switched over to them, I had a great web developer who designed my site, therealjasonduncan.com, but I needed more updates and needed things. And so rather than having to go back to my web developer every time to update things, I just have one nine manage it. And I've got a, uh, a dedicated project manager. His name is Steven, the guy that does mine, works on my stuff. And he just sent me this morning uh, five updates, things that they did. Just, hey, just so you know, we did this, 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 and this over the weekend. Everything's working. All the link- They check all the links for you all the time to make sure everything works. And it's fantastic, and it's a small monthly fee. Anybody can afford it. It's fantastic. Go to managemywebsites.com/root, and thank you to One Nine for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, now let's introduce today's guest. Today's guest is one of the best in the nation at teaching people how to defer capital gains taxes, so that he sets something up called the Deferred Sales Trust. It's something he kind of puts together to keep people out of capital gains tax jail. So if you've got if you've got if you've got capital gains or a 1031 exchange issue that you're trying to figure out how to do, you can set up a deferred sales trust. He actually is one of the top speakers in the nation on this concept. He has a podcast which I will be a guest on uh, just after this show. We're going to be filming his show, but he talks to people, high net worth people about how to protect their assets in some unique ways to permanently defer those capital gains. And I know I'm probably screwing up some of the technical stuff on this, but that's why he's here. We're going to talk to him about that. But I want you to know that there is a way that you can do this. You can manage your sales tax, or not sales tax, but capital gains taxes in a way that you probably have not ever considered before. So deferred sales trust is one of these things that you can do. So uh, our guest is a certified broker here in the state of California. He's done over $190 million worth of deals. He's with EXP uh, Commercial, among other things. But I want you to meet and hear from our guest today, the one and only Brett Swartz. So Brett, thank you for being here, man. Jason, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be a part of the show and add some value to you and your listeners. Well, I know that there's so much about what you do that is very technical. And I read, you know, you, I've got your intro and I was going over at the beginning and I know I probably screwed up some of that stuff. So 
let's start with just a brief concept of what a DST is. And then what we're going to do is we're going to rewind and go back and see how you got started in that. But what is a deferred sales trust? Just 60 to 90 seconds. Like, what is that? And then we'll back up from there. Yeah, I like to use kind of like things when it, when it comes to things that are a little bit more complex. So it's kind of like an IRA. It's kind of like a 401k, right? What do you do with that? Well, you put money into this tax-deferred vehicle, and you don't pay tax until you receive it. So a deferred sales trust is kind of like an IRA in that upon a sale of a highly appreciated asset, cryptocurrency, business, primary home, investment real estate, you can move all of the proceeds into the trust and you can defer the tax until you start receiving payment or distributions. So just a way to defer exactly what it is deferred sales trust. So you can defer the money and the taxes to some point in the future, which essentially leads to what you refer to as optimal timing, right? Exactly. And when you go to invest, you want to be able to invest on your terms, not under the gun, like a 1031 exchange, where you have 180 days to basically you know, acquire something that you've sold, and that 1031 exchange is for investment property. Whereas the deferred sales trust, there's no timing restrictions, and that you can buy whenever you want into multiple asset classes. You can dollar cost average. You can put in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, another business venture, all tax deferred on your timing without having to feel pressure to overpay for a property. All right, so that's what it is, and I'm sure that the more details about that as we dive into your story is gonna come out, but how did you get started as an entrepreneur? You know, it started at a young age watching my dad be an entrepreneur. In the Bay Area, Mission San Jose, Silicon Valley, he was building custom homes, room additions, and rentals, and my brother and I would go to the job site, we'd wake up about 6 a.m., we'd be in the truck by about 6.30, we'd stop by McDonald's to get a, a little uh, you know, hash brown and sausage McMuffin, and then we'd be on the job site hammering nails, moving bricks, doing whatever my dad told us to do. Um, and these were, you know, summer summers that were just spent building houses and seeing him and my mom own rentals and property. And so I knew at a young age I probably wanted to do something within real estate, something that I could do myself. Went away to college, studied, uh, you know, uh, Bible and theology, and I also got a, a, a business degree. And also had a chance to take an internship at Marcus and Millichap, which is a commercial real estate brokerage firm. And I fell in love with commercial real estate and the ability to make a lot of wealth, help a lot of people, solve a lot of problems. But that was really the beginning, seeing my dad and my mom and then getting a taste of commercial real estate brokerage. So are your dad and mom still around? They are. Uh, they divorced at a young age, and that's also part of the story, right? Because I knew at a young age I wanted to be able to make enough wealth and not have to feel pressure with the family. So I went from family having a lot of wealth, doing very well, to living with my mom the majority of the time and my dad having a lot of the wealth and not necessarily saying paying as much to my mom. So we were kind of separated in that sense. And so wealth has always been something that we really wanted to do well at and succeed at so that we didn't have to feel pressure with the family. So that is, that's also part of the story as well. What do mom and dad think about you now that you've become so successful and off the heels of kind of watching them do it at a young age. Sure, oh, they love it. I mean, they, they, they always inspired me and always believed in me, you know, and always, you know, knew that uh, uh, I, you know, kind of the thing of you can do whatever you set your mind to and work hard enough. My brother and I were the first to graduate from college, so that was the first big step. They wanted to make sure we graduated from college. They wanted us to be able to, uh, to, uh, to, to do, you know, better, I guess, than even they did. So, yeah, very proud parents, great parents, and uh, real close with both of them now, and it's, it's a good thing. You and your wife, Melanie, have five kids. So these five kids are watching what you're doing as an entrepreneur. Do you got any of those that are entrepreneurial-minded yet? Great question. Yeah, from <laughs> three to 11 is the ages. And so we actually do homeschooler kids as well. So they get to get pretty hands-on because dad does work from home quite a bit. And they get to see that and understand that. And they're pretty independent already. So 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking that the bug might also pass, you know, with the freedom of the flexibility of time and energy and kind of no, no gap or no cap on the income potential. So I've got, my two kids are uh, 21 and 18, and, and I don't see in them yet any of that entrepreneurial, but, you know, my, my, I wasn't an entrepreneur until I started my first big company 11 years ago. So I, I, I envy, in some ways, people like you who have kids are younger, and you're already succeeding in a big way as an entrepreneur, because I know that what that's going to feed into those kids. So I'll be interested to see what happens to those kids over time, because... I think entrepreneurs change the world. I love entrepreneurs, man. I want to invest in entrepreneurs. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's solving problems, being creative, being innovative, and helping people create more jobs, all of the things that entrepreneurs do. And yeah, I have, I have a sense that at least one, two, or three will probably fall in the footsteps for sure. <laughs> well, so you you had your mom and dad doing the doing the rentals and doing the construction, and you fell in love with commercial real estate. So at what point did you decide, hey, I'm gonna do my own thing as an entrepreneur in the real estate space? Yeah, once I felt I had enough value to add by building a team and helping more people do something that I couldn't do, that I needed someone else. And so not that we always aren't masterminding and getting coaching and getting expertise, but it was a good five years of blood, sweat, and tears at Marcus and Millichap, learning from some of the best in the business. Right, and once I gathered that knowledge, I felt confident that I could take it to a different level and, and start my own thing. And I think it's always kind of been in the blood of, of sports. I played basketball and football growing up, you know, team captain and you know, on scholarship and doing that kind of thing. So I've always kind of been a natural leader, right? And I've loved to lead and coach. I love as much making the pass as scoring the bucket, but um, it's been in, in, in kind of like one of the giftings that I have as far as coaching and encouraging people to do and be the best that they're, they're capable of being. So once I had that expertise, once I had something really of value, like the thing we're talking about, the Deferred Sales Trust, it was kind of a natural progression of now is the time to, um, to, to launch and to go. And what year did you do the launch and go and what you're doing now? Yeah, it's kind of a, in, in pieces, uh, officially kind of like, kind of completely cold turkey from everything else was about four years ago, okay? Oh, wow, so it's relatively new. Relatively new on the capital gains tax solutions front, although the capital gains tax solutions expertise started about 11 years ago when I was at Marcus and Milichap, right? So learning about it and developing it, and it's almost like doing like a case study or a beta, right? To see if it would work for my clients, would work for other agents, work for myself, because I, I am a broker by trade who is now an expert in the Deferred Sales Trust who now teaches other brokers financial advisors and how to become an expert in the Deferred Sales Trust. So I was, you're sort of on commercial real estate, you're kind of on your own because it's 100% commission, no salary, no benefits, you're a 1099 employee. So you're kind of already a semi-entrepreneur in that sense, but you're still working for a larger group, right? Whereas Capital Gains Tax which is officially on my own, right? And it's my own team and everything is on, kind of on me, if that makes sense. And so that company, Capital, Capital Gains Tax Deferred, Deferral Experts, that's the name of the company. Capital Gains Tax Solutions. Capital yeah. Gains Tax Solutions. So that company started officially four years ago, but based on 11 years of experience of exactly. building the concept. I say the 10,000 hours of the blood, sweat, and tears, right? Yes. Of the, you know, the rejections and the overcoming the objections and solving the problems and being creative and working with the tax attorney who's like the brain surgeon who created one of my business partners and working with a co-founder who's the financial advisor. And as a team, collectively, and that's the beauty of this transaction, uh, it takes a team of professionals to execute it. It's the most challenging, rewarding, amazing uh, thing, but it takes a team to work together. So yeah, kind of perfecting and understanding that, it's like learning another language, right? There's a 1031 language, there's an entrepreneur <laughs> language. 
There's different tax dialects of this to help build wealth, and that's what the Deferred Sales Trust is. I love that explanation. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before, so I want to kind of dig into that. So the tax language, the language of tax, and then you went further to say a dialect. So like in English, the English language is a language, but there's dialect. Like I'm from Nashville, so my, my southern accent sometimes comes through. You're from California. You have the Californian accent. There's people who live in Wisconsin. So there's dialects, but the language of taxes is one thing. But then there's this way to interpret it and how you speak it. That, that's a unique perspective. How does one, how would one as an entrepreneur learn those languages to their benefit? Because most entrepreneurs I know don't understand the tax side of it at all. Yeah, when the why gets big enough, the how gets easy, right? And that's part of the story at Marcus and Millichap. Things were going very well. I was learning a lot. I was growing. This is 2006. 2008 hits, and it's a complete mess, right? And especially Sacramento, one of the highest booms and busts in the entire nation. Uh, Lincoln, which is also local to Sacramento, is one of the fastest growing uh, city in America in 2006, okay? And then it completely crashed. Yeah, so you're looking at a big bust. And during that time period, my clients, friends, and family lost half or lost everything due partly because of this 1031 exchange of having to feel forced to overpay for properties. Entered the Deferred Sales Trust. And also, I'm brand new in the business. I'm looking around, just, just, just barely making it. Wife at home, uh, first baby on the way. And I'm, it's like we're making a little bit of money to zero overnight. And so we had to figure out a way to solve this problem, right? And by solving the problem uh, with the Deferred Sales Trust, we were helping help to help people maybe never face that again. And so that big why and that big pain of seeing people go through that and motivated me and, a, and some others to really figure out a way to solve that so people don't have to go through that again. So I think the answer to your question is when the why gets big enough or the pain gets big enough, the how becomes easy because you never want people to go through that ever again. And if you can help them to not have to go through that again, you can provide what's called transformation for families, for wealth, for, for giving, for all the things that, um, that myself and a lot of our clients believe in. When the why gets big enough, the how gets easy. You said that a couple of times. I love that. I, it kind of reminds me of one of the things that I teach my clients when I speak on stage. I talk about how uh, this, there's this law called the law of adaptation. The law of adaptation states that our ability to adapt will always outperform our ability to plan. And I think it falls in line with what you just said. When the how gets big enough, the why, or when the why gets big enough, the how gets easy. So we've got a we've got a uh, life is going along just fine as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor until 2008, and then bam, plans out the window. But our ability to adapt will outperform our ability to plan, and that's what happened for you and happened for some so many people. I mean, did would the DST concept have ever materialized had had uh, the 08 crash happen, or was it does that just part of the story? It's a great question. You know, it's hard to say because it has been around for 25 years. There's been thousands of closes and billions under management. And this is even before my time. So my business partners kind of, they're the, they're the co-founders that really get this thing going. Um, part of, I think, my, one of my unique parts of the story is taking it from a commercial real estate perspective and a broker's perspective and, and, and really kind of niching onto that marketplace. And now we're really in the crypto space as well. And we've branched out. But it wasn't until that crash that people, I feel like a lot of my clients looked at the 1031 exchange as not always your friend. And again, a 1031 exchange, we believe is like the blockbuster way of doing things. And so would Netflix be around if people weren't frustrated with returning movies within three days or having to rewind it or sometimes going there and it's not there, right? Or it's there and you get the video and you come home and it's the wrong video or all of those little frustrations that built up over time. And someone said, this could be a better way. 
right? Well, that's what the deferred sales trust, when the ping gets big enough with the 1031 not working, or other tax deferral strategies not working, like for example, charitable remainder trust. This is another one, which is great if you're 100% charitable, but not everyone's 100% charitable. They may be 50% or 20% or 10%. They don't necessarily want to give it irrevocably all the way um, upon passing, right? They like to keep it in their family. So all of these little iterations within what people are trying to solve, which by the way, there's two things that are certain in life, death and taxes, right? And so if one of them is one of the biggest things that you've ever had before, which there's three perfect storms that we can touch on just to see how big this is getting and how these storms are creating more need for the deferred sales trust. Once you understand the demographics, the political and the economic storms, then you see why the deferred sales trust is like the Netflix versus the old blockbuster way of exit planning. That's a really interesting perspective on that. And you've got a, a podcast where you actually talk about this and you're going to, you're actually going to have me on your show. Uh, we're recording that right after this. So I would, I would encourage everybody to go to your podcast, tell everybody how to get to your podcast. Yeah. Capital gains, tax solutions.com. And you can also search that on YouTube as well. Um, iTunes, Spotify, any of the major uh, networks, capital gains, tax solutions, search that word or go to capital gains, tax solutions.com. So it's capital gains, tax solutions, plural, Dot com and you can hear more specifically because well, I would love to get into all of the details about how the DSC works, but that's not the purpose of this show. The purpose of this show is talking about how you became so successful, but I want people to go listen to your show because I think the people that listen to this show are entrepreneurs or wanting to be, and I can tell you that one of the things that I just said this earlier, they don't understand, people just do not understand the tax game when it comes to entrepreneurialism. I mean, there are so many little things you can do that have nothing to do with deferring the taxes, just avoiding them completely to begin with. And I think that people listening to shows like yours would give them the opportunity to grow. So let's talk about, let's talk about your experience as an entrepreneur becoming a successful entrepreneur. So let's start with this question. What would you define as the word success? What does success mean to you in your words? Yeah, so I think you've got to look at the major areas of everyone's life, right? It's, you know, it's, it's the faith, it's family, it's fitness, it's finance, it's all, it's leadership, personal development. Um, that's part of it, right? So we kind of can get a, a, that's pretty standard. But I think there's a real, there's a cool equation that I've been working with and I've heard it and I don't know who, who really quoted it or where it's at, but it's called the, the fulfillment formula. You could even call it the su success formula, right? Which is taking the unique gift that we've been given like each of us, I believe, have been given a, a certain strength, superpower. I think they're God-given gifts, and these gifts have been given us to be a blessing and help to others. So it's figuring out what that unique gift or superpower that you have, okay? Times the number of people you can impact, times maximizing the potential of that gift, okay? And then the overall kind of in big picture is, to me, it's having a higher faith that this is a purpose, a mission for you. All of that, when those are all aligned, equal fulfillment or equal success. Because if you don't A, identify your strength, or B, not maximize the potential, or C, you're using it for yourself and you're not impacting others, and, and then D, you don't think it's a bigger purpose or calling, then success is elusive, right? That fulfillment, something's missing. But when we can combine all of those factors together, okay, that's the gift or the opportunity to be able to give more and maximize that potential, right? So that's the success or the fulfillment for formula, I believe. So with that as a formula or a definition of success, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the key thing here, again, is identifying my strength. Part of my strength is encouragement, coaching, right? Solving problems. I think those would be kind of the three. Um, maximizing the potential of, uh, of it, which is getting other coaching, you know, getting feedback, always improving, reading leadership books, all of those things that help to, to make that a, a reality or more of a reality. 
and then taking that and trying to spread it to the whole world, right? With podcasting, with YouTube, with you know, getting over my fear of being on a video camera, right? Even getting over my fear of being on podcasts or public speaking or all of those things that we have excuses or fears in our brains, right? And all entrepreneurs have them to some extent, but getting beyond ourselves to be able to go make an impact because it's no longer about us, it's about using that gift to make an impact for others, right? And when you can connect those two, the why gets big enough, right? The how gets easy. I love it, man. And I, I tell you, I asked that question, you know, those two questions, what is your definition of success? And then are you successful based on that definition? I'll ask it of every guest. And, you know, half the time people say what well, you did, they're right out of the gate. Yes, absolutely 100% successful. And other times they're like, you know, you can see the humility uh, or their attempt at humility, but, but they usually end up with, yes, I'm successful based on the way I define it. So I love the confidence in it. It's, it's refreshing. And I love to see somebody like you say that. And who's figured out that formula. Like you've, you've obviously thought about this. This is not something you just thought about sitting on this couch at this Airbnb doing this show today. You've given some thought to it. You and your wife have probably had conversations about it and you and your business, business partners. So that's great. I, um, one of the cool things and the reason I did this show is that, is that I, after all these years of being, I was, in, I was a pastor for 13 years and I was a school teacher for four years and then became an accidental entrepreneur. And I found myself in a lot of rooms where I was like, a, it was a pinch myself moment. Like, I can't believe I'm in rooms with people like this. I mean, I'm, today I get to meet with people like you. And, and, and I think, how did, how did they get here? How did they become successful? And so what I was doing over the last seven or eight years was asking casual questions about, well, how did you do it? What did you do? And what I found is that there are these five things that show up every single time. And I want to see if these five things show up in your life. Now, I've heard a little bit about your story. But I, I think we can dig some more out of the story by looking at these five things. And the first one is passion. I think one of the keys to success, and you could agree, disagree with me, but I, I think one of the keys is passion. And it's not just emotional passion. It's the mental passion. And the mental passion is where we get the word, the passion, the passion of the Christ from. It wasn't that he was excited or joyful about going to the cross. It was about willingness to endure for a greater cause. So in your life, you've become a super successful entrepreneur by your definition. And I believe that one of the keys to be able to do that is the willingness to endure for the thing you're building. So do you agree with that? And if so, how did that play a part in your story? Yeah, it's a great question, right? So I mentioned in the very beginning, the parents getting divorced, right? That's a big pivotal moment. And looking back now that I'm 38 years old, I see that as a, is kind of monumental to my life, right? And also a part of my opportunity to relate and connect with others, right? Financially and also emotionally for those who've gone through like you know, divorce. But I was a young kid at the time not knowing the difference except for mom and dad are divorced now. I mean, I'm eight years old or seven years old when it's happening, right? And so uh, seeing, seeing what if wealth is not in order and seeing where wealth can change things um, for the good or for the bad, right? Um, I think created the passion in me to, to be financially secure and marginally, you know, to give more time and energy for family, to have passive income, cash flow, to not to feel trapped by anything financially, right? So, um, yeah, I would agree that that uh, it has to come from a, a deeper sense of of meaning, right? And um, yeah, that's I've I think I've always kind of been passionate about certain things, but other things I'm not passionate about, right? I mean, I'm I'm in school as an entrepreneur. You might relate with this. You know, you're in school and there's certain classes where you you don't you're not passionate at all. I mean, you have next to zero interest, and your goal is just to get that A or that B and to be out of there, right? There's other things that I really attached to and I loved, right? And I poured into that. And that's kind of been who, I, who I've been. Um, and so I would say, yes, passion for the things that you're passionate about. 
And, but also, by definition, if you're more passionate about something, it's not likely you can be passionate about too many things, right? Because then that passion might diminish. Yeah, what are you willing to endure for? I, I, when I started my, one of my first big companies, you know, I, I wasn't passionate about the product or the services that we were providing. I was willing to endure. I was passionate because I had a, had a mortgage to pay and had a wife and two kids to support. And, and that made me be willing to endure through the, stri the, the struggles and the trials of entrepreneurialism. And I think that's, I think without fail, the number one key to success and that anybody can use if, if you've got the willingness to endure for the thing you're building, you're going to probably be successful. The second key to success is being in the right place at the right time. And I think that part of your story reveals that growing up the way you did, where you did, going to those construction sites contributed to that. But also going to the firm, what was the name of the firm? Marcus and Millichap. Marcus and Millichap, you know, being at that was almost another right place, right time. Is that is that part of your story that 100%. you agree with? Some of the most best mentors, coaches, trainers, right, to, to help me cut my teeth on something that I had that I knew nothing about. I mean, completely green walking in. And in sales skills, negotiation, underwriting, you know, communication, presentations, um, solving problems, cold calling, right? If, you know, if you've ever been on the line of trying to call somebody out of the blue to try to sell their you know, millions of dollars of property, it's really scary, right? But to go through and press through that to know that on the other side, if you can develop a skill set to add value, you can take that anywhere. And so the ability to be a part of that and go through that, it's like the Navy SEALs of training. I mean, it's an amazing firm and amazing people. And so, yeah, that was a big part of the story. And the timing, of course, the 06, right, to 08 crash, right, where I saw 50 to 75 agents just come and go, right? They'd come in for a month or three months or five months or a year or two years, and then they'd be out. But I just kept pressing. And I had, had the fortunate ability to be able to, in the very beginning, I was still kind of just graduating from college, living with my mom and keep expenses low. And then we moved with my brother into a small condo. And we, we did the things necessary to keep the dream alive, if you will. And so, um, yeah, that was a big part of the story as well, timing of all that. So right place, right time, passionate. The third, the third key to success that I talk about, and I found that everybody's success story is not only the right people, uh, or excuse me, the right place, right time, but the right people like knowing the right person. Because what I don't think a lot of people understand is that you're one relationship away from a totally different life, a totally different experience. You're the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. And so there, in every entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur story, there's usually a person or two or maybe more, and it could be a negative or positive influence, but that contributed to your success. Who are those people for you? Yeah, so it, it would start with uh, my mom, right? The sacrificial, like just love for my brother and I. And she just, you know, poured into us. My grandmother, which is also a huge part of it as well. Uh, then we went to, to like my brother and then my cousin, you know. And so, and then we'd move as I went on, um, you know, coaches. So basketball coaches, football coaches, youth pastors, right? So what I found, I, I'm a Christian. I found that God always provided that fatherly figure. Or, and my grandma was kind of that fatherly figure too. Because my mom was a single mom after the, after the divorce. She just focused on my, my brother and I. I found that um, he always provided, you know, even when I wasn't with my dad as much, right? And um, and I was able to to glean and get wisdom from a lot of people in a lot of ways. And then fast forward to um, to masterminds and Bible study groups, and I found that when I could get around folks that were more wise than me and had more experience than me, that I could learn and grow from. So 100%. And now it's you know executive coaches. It's masterminds. It, it, it changes, right? Each season of life kind of changes as, as, uh, as things progress, but uh, always trying to have mentors and coaches in my life.
Well, I, I want to. If I would like to camp out there for a minute, because not every guest that I have on the show uh, shares a similar background and faith experience that I do, which is completely fine with that. I'm fine with that. I don't want 100% everybody the same. But you have a degree in Bible and ministry, as do I. You know, we've both gone on to be very successful entrepreneurs, built great businesses. So you just mentioned, in in terms of people, three things. You said. Uh, Bible studies and, and you, in general church groups, I, I assume that's what you're meaning. Second, you talked about masterminds. And then third, you talked about coaches. So I would like to dive in on that for a minute because I think there's probably, in your journey to success, the listeners to this show could glean a lot of encouragement from knowing that there are three places. And since we have a similar background in church life and, and following Jesus, what is it about that that helps contribute to your elevation of life and being more successful. Just just on that, we'll get to mastermind and coaching in a minute, but just specifically with your experience with church and Bible studies. And yeah, stuff. so it's just following what the Bible says to do. So if you believe in the Bible, you know, um, believe in discipleship, right? And I had to learn that, you know, and you think it would be pretty common common knowledge, you know, growing up in church. And by the way, my, my father, um, uh, we're praying for him. He's not a believer yet. My mom is a believer, right? And she was all my life. So I had both, both, both I guess, thought, and, and, and reasons for that growing up. And so it's still a divided, you know, that kind of thing, right? So first I had to establish my own faith, but then two, become discipled, right? And again, I would go to, let's say, Bible studies and friends, and we'd hang out, and it was great fellowship. And But like you said, the average of the five people that you're around. Well, guess what? If everyone is at the same level that you're at and the same maturity level and the same whatever it is, it's hard to, to, um, to become what... Uh, something else or become more of yourself if you don't have people showing you how to do that. So I remember calling up, uh, I go to Bayside Church. I remember calling up Bayside Church on a random, you know, Tuesday, like, hey, like, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. And this is in, I'm in my, you know, mid-20s. I just looking for something a little more serious, like you know, maybe I don't, it's a little more intentional with the faith. I didn't even know this, you know, it was going to be discipleship or accountability or anything. I just, yeah, there's some guys that meet 6.30 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. They're meeting tomorrow morning. Okay, where at? In this random room. Okay. I just show up and I show up and there's like 25 guys in a room and I'm the youngest guy. I'm 25 and there's guys as old as 70, but most of the guys are in their 40s and 50s, okay? And I sit down and I'm like, okay, this is great. And they say, hey, nice, nice to meet you. We're going to study the Bible. Which I've done that all my life. Pretty cool. First hour goes. I'm like, oh, that was cool. That's easy. I'm a little, little more intentional, but nothing I wasn't used to. Then they say, hey, we'll take a little break and we'll come back for the second hour. I'm like, oh, what's that? I'm like, it's accountability. I go, oh, what's that? Well, we sit down and we start, you know, it's like, hi, my name is Brett. I struggle with this. Well, they start to talk about what they struggled with, right? And there's these common eight questions that they use that Chuck Swindoll came out with. And they start to ask these questions. And I remember the Lord telling me, this is exactly where I want you to be. And they say, you don't have to answer any of these questions. But if you do, you can have some freedom from these things. So I sat there and they went around and they all shared their struggles or their, their victories for that week. And I got to me and I said, yeah, I do struggle with that. Right? And it was that ability to confess in a way that was in a safe environment, that was encouraging, that was you know, discipleship. And they started to disciple me over a period of time. And that, wasn't, that was with my finances, that was with my faith, that was with my family. Some guys had been divorced, some guys had been married for 40 years, some guys had been business entrepreneurs, some guys were doctors, some guys were attorneys. And I got to sit there and just glean wisdom and insight from people and also have people pray for me and hold me accountable, right? Because that's the biggest thing. Discipleship is not just following, but it's also having somebody lead you, right? And being willing to be led 
and to to follow um, what I believe the Bible tells us to do, which are certain you know certain certain moral things and faith things, and and I started to grow in a way that I've never grown before, right? And my faith started to grow and my maturity. And guess what? When your faith is right, your character and your marriage and your your work and everything else that's a byproduct of what's changing on the inside. So yeah, that discipleship single-handedly out of all the things I mentioned before over about a five-year period of time changed and matured me more than anything else. And it was just following what the Bible told us to do. But again, most people either are too afraid to go there, (laughs) right? And um, we get in our own way, right? And they don't realize that there's people out there that really care about you. And if you get with the right setting with the right people, it can make all the difference. So the, so I wanted to, and I appreciate that because I wanted to talk about that because I think that there are some people listening who are struggling with, how do I, how do I get more successful and become better as, a, as an entrepreneur paying attention to faith? And what you just did is you gave us illustration about what that's like. So thank you for doing that. The other thing you said was masterminds. So how do masterminds play a part in your experience of becoming a more successful entrepreneur? Yeah, so iron sharpens iron. It's another biblical concept, right? And so if you're running with other rhinoceroses or lions, if you will, right? Those who are charging forward in their lives and in their business and in their family and their faith and in their investments, you can't help but run faster and run smarter, right? And so by masterminding, I mean, we're sitting down, we're talking about goals, we're talking about vision, and we're talking about best practices. And then we're challenging, encouraging one another to try their things. Now, when we mastermind, we bring in folks from different industries. It's not just the same industry because we want to get other diversity of thought and, and ideas. And uh, we meet typically about once a month and we meet for about an hour and a half. And it's very, um, uh, it's very intentional about what we're doing, right? So again, having a big why, having a big vision, and then encouraging each other and also holding each other accountable for action items. If you're not doing that, right, you're kind of on an island, right? And when you're on an island, you don't go as far as fast. So masterminding is a great way to grow. It's, uh, it's, it's again, one of those things where you can easily not do it, but when you do it, you'll never want to not do it again. So you don't have to give away the name of the mastermind or how much it costs to be a part of it, but for people that don't know what that looks like, Tell, tell, give us, and share as much as you're willing to, but what's that look like to get involved in a mastermind? Because the church, the church involvement, which we just spoke about, that's pretty, pretty simple. Like call up a church, figure out how to get involved. But on a mastermind, you got to look for that. You got to, there's a financial investment. You, again, share as much as you're willing to, but what's that look like for somebody? It depends on the mastermind, right? And so um, we have, a, I have a couple. So I have, I have one that I run that's locally here with another gentleman we partner together. And we don't, we don't charge for that. It's something that's just simply the right fit and the right amount of motivation and the right amount of intentionality and commitment to the group. So um, it's, it's um, it, but it's about an hour and a half of our time that we're committing to once a month. And we typically do that for about nine of the 12 months of the, out of the year. Another one that we do is, is a Deferred Sales Trust Mastermind where it's an, a chance for people to get introduced to, to the concept and try to demystify the complexity of certain things. Um, and then there's other ones that I'm looking into that are paid masterminds, and there's nothing wrong with paid masterminds. Just, again, realize that if you're paying for something, make sure that's, those are the folks where you want to be, right? There's value there. Um, so, um, yeah, those, hopefully that answers the question there. Yeah, I think that's, I think what, what I think most people need to know is that this mastermind concept, because I run a mastermind as yeah. well. I got group coaching that I do, and then the mastermind's kind of a separate thing because it's a different focus. But I, I, I think that a lot of people have heard about it, 
I just don't know how to get involved, and I love that you're doing one, and I love that you're doing one where you don't charge, but there's time commitment, and then you have one that's very specific in its, in its goal, but it, you're charging for that. Yeah, and I also have a coaching program as well now, too. So yeah, I try to separate coaching from mastermind, right? Agreed. So mastermind tends to be, let's say, less expensive or, or no expense, or more of like a break-even, whereas coaching is, is more hands-on, and there's much more, much more about that. Um, so yeah, they, some of it overlaps, but it's it's even more intentional for the for the specific person and what their specific goals are. Well, that's interesting, and I want to talk about your coaching in a minute because that was the third thing I wanted to talk about with the right people. But your perspective on that is completely opposite of mine. Doesn't mean either of us are right or wrong. But my in my experience, like for instance, my coaching cohorts are one price, but the mastermind is much more expensive because the the commitment is a lot higher and it's for a longer period of time. So. But, you know, again, it's perspective. I'm brand new to that. Coaching started about a year ago, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's, and again, I think it's industry specific, right? Yeah. There could be, so what we do is so highly specialized that I've had to turn away people that aren't, I basically want the top 5%. So it's really, who can you most help and are they qualified? Are you qualified to help them where they're at? And that's where, where for the coaching, it's very niche, niche. But other ones might be a little more general, which I think we could totally make sense yeah. understand. Yeah, well, so for instance, my, my coaching cohort is called the Exit Accelerator, and I do a 12-week cohort where we meet for eight times, and we talk about very specific, these are the four things you have to do as an entrepreneur if you're ever going to exit your business, whether it's exit without exiting, which is what I teach, you don't have to sell it, or if you actually want to physically sell the business, then there or financially sell the business, there are four things. So that cohort is this flat fee for 12-week experience, and then to move beyond that, the mastermind that I do, which, uh, you know, what well, I don't want to get into that because that's about me, but, but the mastermind I do is a year-long commitment and there's a much more involved, but you've got two levels. You've got the level of people that haven't yet exited and you've got the level of the people that have and they're helping the people who haven't. So, Well, now on the third part of that, on coaching, how have coaches helped bring you to the success level that you're experiencing today? Yeah, all of it, right? Because they were doing it and I wasn't. And so they're showing me how they do it and they got a chance. And I'd say coaching mentors would be the two kind of, right? So again, you gotta kind of separate that too, because a mentor is a coach, but then you can also have private coaches. So, so find someone who's doing what you want to do or become and start to model their behaviors, their habits, their actions, their systems, their processes, right? Tony Robbins says as well, it's like success leaves clues, model the successful. So it's simply, um, yes, getting with them, spending time with them, committing to them. Go help them solve a problem, right? It's not about, you know, the moment you start adding value is the moment that you know as much about that person's business or the solving a problem they're trying to solve. Otherwise, you're probably wasting their time. So this goes for clients and this goes for coaches. So if you're gonna be, if you're gonna want someone to mentor and coach you, you go add value to them, right? Or pay them for their time and their energy, right? And then guess what? They're more naturally to mentor and coach you. So it's, a, it's an art and a science for sure, right? But it's changed everything for me. Without my coaches and mentors, I would not be who I'm in today or have the success that I've had today. I love it. So the third, the third key to success is knowing the right people. We talked about right place, right time. Talked about passion. So the fourth key to success that I've found is preparation, like the know-how to pull it off. So what I heard in your story is that your preparation started not only as a kid working with your dad, the construction site, but when you went to work as a broker doing real estate, working for Marcus Millichamp, 
that prepared you to say, you know what, there's a better way to work with high net worth people to defer these taxes in a way that makes sense. Is, am I seeing that right? Is that what prepared you to be successful? 100%. I'm not, I don't think anything's happened by accident, right? My story, my journey, my struggles, and my, you know, the, the tough time during financially and the business and everything else all happen for such a time as this, right? And so I believe that, yeah, the gifts I've been given, the challenges I've been through have prepared me to be a hope, uh, a, a, a coach, and I hope, I hope a solution for a lot of people that feel trapped. Right, and I, I hear a guide or a coach, the best way to think about it is just a couple steps ahead of you, right? You don't need somebody that's the, uh, you know, the Warren Buffett. You might just need someone who's a couple steps ahead of you. Like you said, that one person you meet or that one idea, that one breakthrough can help unlock a whole, 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 whole area of your life and transformation. Like we just, we just closed a deal for, for a client in Alabama. He sold a $2.6 million business and he wanted to build multifamily, 70 units, ground up development. He didn't know how to get there without paying all the tax. Well, we solved that problem for him and it's, it's opened up a whole nother opportunity for him to build more and do more. And so it's really defining what it is for that person, right? And, and then it's providing your gift and your talent of showing them how to get there. And, he, and then the rest of it is uh, takes care of itself is what I found. I love it. So the fifth, the fifth key to success that I found, so you've got passion, right place, right time, knowing the right people and pre preparation. The fourth is plan. And I think the plan is not as much about the written business plan about how you're gonna be successful and how you're gonna build your business, because I think probably less than 30% of the successful entrepreneurs I've interviewed had a written business plan. But what I mean by plan is that your key to success in planning is having the financial strategy to deploy resources to support whatever idea you've got. And you're in a unique position, because not only did you need a plan to financially support your business, but you're actually, that is what you do, is you help people with the plan to support their next thing. So is that, what do you see about plan in your journey to success? Yeah, so first of all, do the math, right? Understand where your numbers are at, right? And, and, sure. then, and then finding ways to diversify your income streams. So for me, it's investing in commercial real estate, right? It's investing in myself to grow my business. It's, it's my business, right? It's multiple investments and getting multiple income streams, so you're not always just dependent upon just one. Right, and obviously if you can create a model where it's recurring income streams based upon a sale, right, and then a service, um, then that helps to help take some of the pressure off, right? So, um, so the answer is yes, and the answer is you know math, and the answer is planning, and the answer is all the things that you should be doing as, as we know as business professionals with budgeting and investing and planning. Um, but it also includes hiring professionals that are tax professionals, right? I have my own CPA, I'm not a CPA, right? I niche focus on the deferred sales trust doesn't mean I'm a specialist on this other part of the part of the body, right? If you think about it, right? Like the trust could be a part of the brain and you could have a knee surgeon. You get specialists for that. So I hired the best to help me with my personal tax returns, personal business tax returns. And then I help people do the deferred sales trust. And guess what? The person they, they do the they do the tax returns too for the business trust, right? So the key is hiring the who, not being the how, and then uh, doing the math and planning accordingly. I really, I think that what I would like to do, and I don't normally do this live on the show, but I think I would like to invite you, if you're interested, to be a guest expert on for my Results University. I do a, on Results University, which is my online university for entrepreneurs, but I do a, once a month, I do a 90-minute Entrepreneur Master Series where I bring in a guest expert in a certain area, and we talk about one specific sliver of the entrepreneurial experience about how you can become better at it. And I think that because of what you do, 
I think we might do a whole Entrepreneur Master Series on the DST. So let's, you and I talk after the show. We need to get you on there because I've got, um, I've got some interesting concepts coming up for my students. And I think this is one that, I didn't think about it until just now, but I think this is a good one. I think this is a good one. And you probably will get business out of it. Happy to help. <laughs> yep. You'll probably get business out of it. I won't say no. <laughs> so, so with those five keys to success, I see those in your story. You got passion to, to endure through the struggles of, of your life to get ready to be successful as a business owner, be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes those are good places, sometimes they're not, but you put yourself in a lot of those places. Knowing the right people, and I love that we got to dive into your faith story and how being a part of Bible studies and accountability groups and discipleship groups, masterminds, and hiring coaches helped get you there because I, I agree with all three of those, and I, I'm doing the same thing. I pray every day. I pray for Father to send people in my life that I may disciple and that someone who could disciple me. And I do that for my wife and my kids as well. And I, and I lead masterminds. I'm a part of a mastermind. I have coaches, and I am a coach. So I, I'm glad we got to dive into that a little bit. The preparation. You know, I think so many entrepreneurs are missing opportunities because they're not, they're not looking at, what, are, what am I really prepared to be successful for? And they don't, they're not looking in the right spot. And then I love that you talked about plan. So now let me ask you this question. It's kind of one of my final questions I ask the show every time. There's people listening to the show right now that haven't started yet. They're sitting at their nine to five, either they're still working it, they haven't broken out yet. What advice would you give to him or her to get ready for the next thing? What would you say? Yeah, learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Work harder on your job, you'll make a living. Work harder on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And this is by a gentleman named Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. And the idea is not to, uh, to make a bunch of money, although that's cool because you can help a lot of people. But the idea is to become everything you were created to be so you can make a difference and have fulfillment and, and, and live out, I believe, again, the God-given destiny you were given. So what does that mean practically? Well, practically that means um, you're working on your dream you know, part-time as you're working on your job full-time. And eventually, hopefully that dream or that vision or that business can become your full-time thing. But what time and energy are you putting into developing your skill set, developing a plan, and actually getting the coaching and the mentoring, everything we're talking about in order to transform your reality of nine to five, stuck in the, you know, the W-2 job, let's put it that way, to where you want to be, right? And again, full disclosure, what did I do at Marcus and Melchap when everything hit the fan? And I was making next to zero overnight. I started working side and side job hustles at Cheesecake Factory. So by day, I'd make cold calls, negotiate with banks, help my clients, and by night, I'd work at Cheesecake Factory. I'd wear the same tie, I'd be cold calling, and at one point, a client that I'm trying to sell his buildings in the other room, a $3 million property, I'm about to serve him you know, uh, egg rolls, avocado egg rolls, right? I, I'm doing that nights and weekends. I'm working basketball turns. I'm moving with my brother into his small condo. We did that for two years. The guy at Cheesecake Factory said, hey, what are you doing? If I hire you, you're going to sell a deal for 50000 bucks, and you're going to walk away, because I will not. And he goes, how do I know you won't do that? Because I have a baby at home. I'll give you my word. If you train me and bring me on, I will be here for two years, no matter what I do at Marcus and Millichap. And that's what I did for two years. Nobody really knew except my wife and like my brother and a few friends. And underground, I would sneak off from Marcus and Millichap to be at Cheesecake Factory. So I was willing to do what no one else maybe was willing to do. Some people said I was crazy. Go get a real job. You got a baby at home. You can't afford health care. Why are you living with your brother in the small condo, right? All of these things. But I said, you know what? I believe I'm at the right place, even though I'm not making the right amount of money I need. But if I do these couple things, move with my brother into a small condo, my wife had to bless it, she blessed it, right? Make the why big enough for our vision, work these side jobs and hustles. I was able to retire from Cheesecake within two years. Two years and one day, I give my notice, by the way. Doing those things created the journey as well, right? So what are you willing to do 
you can look up honey badger on, on YouTube, okay? And just start studying that animal a little bit if you want some inspiration, right? But I literally was willing to do and just take my pride and my ego away and be like, at the end of the day, if it means that if I do this for a couple of years that I get over here, then I'm willing to do that. Again, if the why gets big enough, the how gets easy, be willing to take your pride and your ego out of the way and go work multiple jobs to make it work. Man, that is, that's really, really good. That's a great, great story, man. I, I hope you tell that a lot because that is a really, really good story. What other final thoughts do you have about success in general you want to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, just, just know that, um, that, again, you were created. I believe you were created to go do amazing things for your family, for your community, you know, for the world. And if you have an entrepreneurial dream inside of you, that belief in yourself and getting around those who are going to believe in you and encourage you and challenge you and hold you accountable, um, why not? Why not you? Why not now? You know, give it a shot, right? And again, if that means starting a YouTube channel to start to talk about what you do, that means getting the side job, means getting that real estate license, it means doing whatever that is, the thing that you want to be doing, take those steps, you know, to do those things. And um, yeah, looking back, it's been a 11 plus year journey, right, to be where I'm at. But um, I wouldn't trade it now, you know what I mean? Those things, they were tough years, tough years for sure. But I wouldn't trade it because it's, again, it's giving me the chance to help other people, you know, help other people that were at my spot at one point, not sure if you're going to make it, not sure how to do it, not sure who's going to show up to help you but kept pushing and had enough support for my wife, for my family, you know, from uh, church, family, all of those things. All of those things help. Don't do it on your own. Don't stay silo in a, in a, in a, in a, just in a box, right? Know that you can reach out and, and people will help you out. I love it. I love it. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, you can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com where we have all of our stuff on YouTube. You can also go to experttaxsecrets.com if you're looking for ways to use the Deferred Sales Trust to help uh, grow your business. And those are the two main spots. And, and then for any of those who are in commercial real estate and want to learn how to use the Deferred Sales Trust to grow your brokerage business, you can check out um, e e Expert CRE Secrets, where I'm a part of um, EXP Commercial, and we can help you also grow your business there. And we have a whole other line of business as well there. All right, so check the uh, notes in the description of the video or the uh, podcast player so you can find out all that. So. Well, there you have it, folks. We have yet another amazingly super successful entrepreneur in Brett Swartz who's sitting here with me today. And those five keys to success of passion, place, being in the right place, right time, knowing the right people, preparation and plan happen in his life. And those keys will unlock success for you as well. All you have to do is look for those things in your life. Put yourself in the places. Go out there and meet the people. Prepare yourself. Look for, think about what are you prepared to be successful at? What is it that's unique to you? What is your God-given superpower Brett talked about? Like we all have that one unique thing that, that's in there. Go find that. Invest in a coach to help you figure out what that is. I remember where I was when I figured out what my superpower was. And I was, at a, I was at a retreat that I paid a lot of money to go to with some high-powered speakers. And, and they were talking about how to find your unique, your unique talent, your unique thing. And my wife was actually with me. And we were sitting at this event. And the, 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 the speakers, the coaches were talking about it. And, and we looked at each other and like, well, what's my thing? And we wrote down what we thought it was. But it didn't meet one of the criteria that the coach had kind of explained. It has to meet this criteria. So then that's when I figured out that God put me on this earth as a teacher. Like, that's my superpower. I love teaching people. And once I figured that out, life changed. So invest in a coach. Invest in a mastermind. Invest, invest in somebody to help invest in you. Just like what Brett talked about. We've got to invest in ourselves more than we invest time in our jobs. We've got to invest in ourselves. So do that. One of the ways that I invest back into entrepreneurs as a coach, as a speaker, 
is I give away one free hour of coaching a week to one entrepreneur somewhere in the world where I just work on, it's the real Jason Duncan with a real entrepreneur working through a real problem. So whether you are just starting, want to start, or you're already a multimillionaire and you've got one issue you just want somebody else to give you perspective on, go to therealjasonduncan.com slash free coaching, fill out the form. My team picks out one person a week. We do it on Tuesdays. We get on Zoom and I go one hour with you to talk about what your issue is. And it's kind of my way to give back. I really, you know, obviously, as I talked about with Brett, you know, I charge for coaching. I do coaching cohorts. I do masterminds. But this is the one thing I do, kind of my my give back, my investment back into the entrepreneurial community. So if you want that, go to therealjasonduncan.com slash free coaching. So make sure you join in again next week when we get together and talk with another super successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. I'm The Real Jason Duncan, and until then, remember, Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.